good to see you here this evening and the Saturday evening again. Um, don't worry, God willing, there'll be someone else different uh, leading you next week. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's pray. Let's pray and uh, prepare our hearts to worship our God. Lord, thank you that we can come to you uh, and we can come to worship you in the rain and the wind and the storms and the malfunctioning potentially aircon. Uh, we can come to you and worship you for you are worthy of praise. Um, so we give you thanks. We approach your throne of grace with confidence. Uh, and we worship you and praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you stand and sing with us as we worship our God? Praise God from whom? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above you. God with face. Praise God with face to face we see. The one who died to set us free. Praise the Father, praise the Son. 
we're going to focus on the next couple of songs on a passage from Philippians, and we'll be quite familiar with parts of this passage because it comes from Scripture of Subi. And it says this, Paul writes this, And your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross.
Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every name. That in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. we declare we are your people our knees will bow our tongues will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord all to the glory of God the Father thank you Lord for showing us what humility looks like how we should be using that in our lives I pray in Jesus name Amen before I take a seat turn to someone around you give him a smile give him a wave give him a verbal greeting of yeah
well, it's time for the uh, primary school age kids to go to their uh, Subi Kids classes. So um, enjoy your time together. For everyone else, welcome. Welcome to everybody anyway. Welcome to Subi Church tonight. And um, uh, I'm Rod Cousins. I'm part of the missions team here at Subi. And um, we're going to have a little focus on that a bit later. Um, if you get a chance to uh, fill in the Connect card that's uh, on the seat with you or scan in the uh, uh, QR code at the, on the back of the chair, we'd appreciate that. Everyone's welcome to fill it in, but members particularly are encouraged to do so. This lets us know that you're here, that you're well, and that you're joining us in church. And, uh, and if there's anything that we can uh, do for you, put that on the card. For visitors, feel free to fill that in as well. And just let us know that you're here. Share your prayer requests with us if you like. Inquire about membership or our ministries. Uh, and express maybe a willingness to serve if you want to. And to get connected perhaps with a small group. Lots of things, lots of possibilities. And even provide a feedback if you like on the service or the sermon. So everyone has an opportunity to fill that in. So um, uh, please go ahead and do so. Every service too, we uh, just have a reminder that it is a privilege for us to be able to bring our offerings to the Lord. Now we don't do it in a, in a regular way by passing a uh, plate around anymore because of COVID. That's what it started from and we encourage you to do so perhaps with a regular payment through the bank. But if you want to do it by direct giving, uh, you can. There's uh, envelopes and a, and a box just near the door of the auditorium as you go out. So let's just uh, pray for the way that we can give. Father, we thank you again that you've given us this opportunity to bring our gifts to you. We bring ourselves to you, and that is what you require more so than our money, but it is representative of us. And Lord, as we come to bring that to you, we pray that we'll do so with a willing heart, that we're determined to give to you because we love you and because we want to serve you and we want to see your kingdom grow. So we pray that that will be the end use of these funds that we provide. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a few announcements uh, I'd like to bring as well. Some upcoming events. Young Adults Lunch, uh, Sunday the 17th, that's next Sunday, after the 10.45am service. And they're hoping that it's not going to be raining, that it's going to be nice and sunny. And they'll meet uh, up in Kings Park, Saw Avenue picnic uh, area, which is just at the end of Rockaby Road, not far from here. But it's a BYO lunch. And um, be a great time of young adults getting together. The hour of prayer is on Wednesday, not this week, but Wednesday next week. And we look forward to being able to share that with you. It's in the cafe here or on Zoom. And uh, uh, if you'd like to be able to log in and, and you're not on our mailing list, uh, mark it on your ca uh, Connect card and we'll uh, make sure you're there. But um, anybody else that is on our mailing list will get the connection, Zoom connection, to be able to join in that way. In a couple of Sundays' time, there's also a Connect Lunch. Sunday the 24th, 12.15, which is after the second service, of course, upstairs in the activity room. So if you're new or fairly new to the church, come and meet our staff, come and meet our, um, some of our elders and get connected with the people at the church uh, at our next Connect Lunch. And you can hear about our ministries that are going on and how you can get involved 
but we'd like you just to RSVP on the Connect card so we know how much food to provide for the lunch. And another great event, Nourish at Subi. We um, uh, have that coming up on uh, five Thursdays, uh, starting from the 28th of July and um, going to the 25th of August, 6.30 to 8.30, on every one of those Thursday nights in the church cafe. I've been to a few of these. They're great. And uh, this Nourish at Subi just aims to uh, nourish us through fellowship with each other as we can uh, join together in a meal and spiritually hear the teaching of God's word. The next series is going to be on Job, Suffering and Sovereignty of God. And it's being taught by Pastor Ben and, and also by Debbie Main. Places are always limited, and uh, so please register to avoid missing out on the Connect card. It costs ten dollars each week for your dinner. If you don't want to have, uh, you don't have to uh, come for the dinner. You can come after, and uh, but put uh, registration on the Connect card, and um, uh, so that we can know how many to cater for. That brings us to the end of our announcements. But I'd like to get um, a couple of visitors here to come up and join with me, Chad and Rachel Page. Some of you would have met these people before. Some of you maybe met Rachel a long time ago when she was uh, a regular member and attender here at church. And, and I guess, you, Rachel, you've been a regular attender at this church maybe every two or three years for that's, once, that's once that time. Regular. <laughs> yeah, it is regular. But um, now you've, uh, you live in the US these days and... Uh, and, um, and you haven't been able to come here for quite a few years because of COVID, been locked down. And uh, you're originally from Albany and you've been spending some good times in Albany. Chad was telling me the weather's been great there and he comes to Perth and it's terrible. But uh, here you are. <laughs> anyway, a couple of things just so that people get to know you. I'll give you the microphone in a minute. Um, just tell us a couple of things like, what's your connection originally with Subi? And then um, perhaps describe the ministry that you've been involved with uh, the, just of recent times anyway. Okay. okay, so I grew up in WA and attended uh, UWA for my university. And while I was there in the early 90s, I was involved here at SUBI. So very much appreciated the ministry of SUBI during uh, my university time. And uh, then after leaving uni, I um, joined Operation Mobilization. Uh, and uh, these days just known as OM, that was 30 years ago, so 30 years um, been serving with OM, and uh, we have a ship, and the current name of the current ship is Logos Hope, and uh, Chad and I both, uh, our work is involved in supporting that uh, ministry, so the ship travels constantly around the world, visiting and ministering in different countries, and we resource the ship with a variety of uh, services, uh, from our office in the USA, yeah. Okay, so um, what's been some of the issues that you've seen though because of COVID and then, and, and where do we see the ministry going to from here? A new ship to right here? Yeah, there's a new ship. Okay, so uh, you might wonder what does a missionary cruise ship do during a global pandemic when nobody wants to welcome a ship into their country? And uh, we wondered that ourselves. But um, the Lord has opened a number of doors. The Logos Hope was in the Caribbean area uh, when the pandemic hit. And uh, the governments there allowed the ship to continue to stay in the region. They did a lot of relief work. 
they were able to help uh, rebuilding after a hurricane. They were um, involved in some volcano relief after a massive volcano and all kinds of uh, relief work they were able to do and as well some um, training of our people on board while they were in lockdown. And, uh, but now, in the last few, several months, the ship has been in West Africa, back open to the public, thousands of people coming on the ship to buy Bibles and Christian books. We have the opportunity to share the gospel with them. Right now, they're in Spain, and they are heading uh, to uh, mainly around the Mediterranean region over the next few months. And we do have a new ship. We just bought the Dulos Hope. It's in Malaysia. And... Uh, we need to staff that ship, so we're looking for people that want to come and serve with us. And um, it'll take about a year for us to get it ready for ministry, but the focus of the Dulos Hope ministry will be Asia. Yeah. Okay, so you're located in the US, which is a nice place to live compared to some other places you could be in the world. What do you do there? What's your part of the ministry to do with ships? Okay, so um, we have about 50 people serving there. My job is to uh, take care of those 50 people and make sure they have everything they need to serve in missions. And um, our team, you know, we pay the bills, we do the marketing and communications, uh, all different kinds of things that the ship needs from onshore. We have a couple of marine engineers um, and so I take care of those people. If they need training, I organize that. If they need visas, I make sure they get their visas. Um, and if they need uh, counseling or, or a bit of care, I try to make sure they get that as well. Yeah. Chad, you don't get away too easily with this. You're reluctant to speak, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> we'd, we'd like to hear from you. You joined uh, OM not so long ago. How long ago was that, and, and what have you, what's your main role in with OM these days? So I've been a part of OM Ships for eight, nine years, and uh, my role is shipping coordinator. I help get the books to Florence, and that help resource the ship, and um, working in the warehouse and whatnot. Yep. Okay. So um, how can Subi people get more engaged with uh, OM and your ministry? So um, you can be in prayer for us. Uh, we'll have um, prayer cards that we can, you can get after, after this. And we depend upon donations, people to help join, join us financially, and uh, things like that. And they can come, you can come and join us. We love to have volunteers in uh, Florence, or you can even join the ship for one year, two years, three months, however long you can come. When I looked up the, the town of Florence in the US, three of them came up. Which one do they go to? The one in South Carolina. <laughs> right -o. Um and they, and they can possibly join the new ship when it's sailing around Southeast Asia. Great. Let's just pray for you. Father, we just thank you for these, uh, this couple and for their son Jacob who's with them. But Lord, we just thank you that they've been ministering with OM for many years um, and for the work that they've been able to do in holding the ministry together at times, particularly when it's been tough over COVID. But Lord, we just uh, pray for them as they um, move forward and as they uh, go back shortly next week 
into uh, back to the US and continue that ministry there. We pray that you guide them in every aspect of their way. We pray that the, the health of them and the people that they work with will be maintained and that um, their ministry will be strengthened and especially as they look forward to the uh, work of the new ship starting in Asia and the close proximity to us that there may be opportunities to, for many people in, from this location to be involved with that ministry on board. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks. Thank you, Chad and Rachel and Rod. And uh, maybe bring this down a bit. I'm really hot up here, not the temperature. Uh, we're going to do scripture. Subi, continue to bring this down. It's uh, getting echo. Scripture at Subi, so maybe a little bit further up now. Okay, there we go. Uh, scripture at Subi, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. So you don't have a card. What we'll try to do is get some cards for you before you go, but they, we do have some in the cubbyhole. But here's the thing, reason why we're doing this particular passage. Think about it. What is one of the most important things that we must know and be very clear on in this church? What is the gospel? How does someone get saved? And we need to know that, and we need to know it by biblical truth, not just, here's my thoughts on that. And here's what the Bible tells us. So let's say this together. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. You get those two verses down, just those two verses, and you're understanding an amazing biblical truth that is by grace we are saved through faith. So let's do it one more time, and we're going to be working on that throughout the week. Are you ready? Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Who do we boast in? We boast in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We boast in the cross of Christ. We boast in his salvation, but it's not our own selfish boasting. It is in the glory of God who has given us this amazing gift. So notice who he's writing to. For it is by grace you, you who are in faith in Christ Jesus, have been saved through faith. It's a gift. Praise God. Good evening, Subi Church. Our Bible reading this weekend is from Psalm 103, verses 1 to 14. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. 
He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, <clears throat> abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbour his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. Amen. Just a, a couple of thoughts before we go into the word of God. We give thanks again for those who serve the Lord, especially for our missionaries that we have the privilege of sending out. So for Chad and Rachel, it's great to have you here. We also want to uh, pray for one another. And we've been asking every week, let's pray for the situation in Ukraine. And we need to pray for that. We recognize there's this crisis in our world, and it's all over the world. Today we're going to be talking a bit about compassion. And what I'm going to ask you to do is, and I've been given permission to share this prayer request, is because many of the staff and the elders and so forth are aware that one of our, our fine elders in this church right now is in ICU. He's in a medically induced coma, and he's on life support. And so that's Gordon Jennett. And some of you say, well, I don't, I don't, I'm not familiar with Gordon, or you don't know him well. Uh, Gordon has been on the elder board for a long time. He's currently not serving. But Gordon was the main elder that was involved with Subi Renew. In other words, getting the building up. He's an architect, and he worked on a very small committee. And he was the leader of that committee and made sure that the building that we get to enjoy out there was a lot of hard work, and he stuck with it, and by God's grace, we get to enjoy it. But Gordon right now is in the ICU. They're giving him some drugs that are hoping to uh, stimulate his heart. He's had a couple of heart attacks. They will be removing him from life support tomorrow morning. And so the family is aware, and again, they've given me permission to say this, is basically they're aware his heart is going to kick in, and he's going to live, or he's going to go to be with the Lord tomorrow. And so we recognize that, and what they've asked us to do is just pray. And it's the right thing for us to do. And we trust in a good God and a faithful God, and we just ask him for help. So I'm going to share that with you as a prayer request, and I'm going to ask you to bow in prayer with me right now. Father, we read that passage from Psalm 103. As a father has compassion upon his children, so you have compassion upon those who fear you. And Lord, I do want to pray right now on behalf of the, the Janet family, for Michelle, for the three children, for their spouses, the grandchildren, and Lord, for Gordon, who belongs to you. And right now, he, we know that he is in your care. 
And we do not know your good and perfect will, but we will trust in you, and I thank you for the faith of this family. Lord, this man is a man of God. He is loved by this church. And we just pray that your mercy and grace would be upon him. Father, you know our request, our heart's desire, is that when this life support is removed, that he will live, that he will be reunited with his family, that you will heal him. But Lord, we also recognize the seriousness of the situation. Father, we thank you that we can pray for one another, and we thank you that you care. Lord, we also want to pray for situations in our world, for Australia, for this major concern that is going on right now in the Ukraine. We pray for peace. We pray for those refugees, for those who have left homes and possessions and everything, and for the opportunities that we as Christians have to serve others. And we do pray that your church would be salt and light, and we would share in that ministry. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, as you know, we've uh, taken a break the last couple of weeks from this series on Elisha, taking God seriously. And let me just uh, mention something uh, so that you're aware. So we had a guest speaker from America last year, I'm sorry, last week, and... Um, we're in process right now, and we are in process, and there's a big task because that was all part of the senior pastor search process. But what I want you to do is not presume upon the outcome. It's going to take some time, some discussion, some dialogue, and some work. And so what we will not ask at you of two things. These are two big asks. Number one, patience, because it takes a while. Anything takes a while. And then secondly, Prayer. Pray for God's will. And even as you heard the Millers uh, speak uh, last week and share with this church, we're just seeking God's will together. And so if we can keep it on those points, so if you ask details or specifics, I don't know who has the answers to those things, but I certainly don't. But what we can ask you to do is keep praying and keep patience and trust the Lord for what he has for the future of this church. Serious compassion, that's what I want to talk about. Compassion is where I want to begin. So let me uh, tell a little bit about a, a woman who was pretty well known in the 20, uh, 20th century. Her name was uh, Margaret Mead. And so we have a, a picture of her because she was a cultural anthropologist, a pioneer in her field, and so much so that she got placed on an American postage stamp. And so that's Margaret Mead. Now, at one point, she's teaching and lecturing, and I want to show the next slide because I'm going to read this story, but here's how it goes. A student asked the anthropologist, Margaret Mead, what is the earliest sign of civilization? The student expected her to say, clay pot, grinding stone, or maybe a weapon, but Mead thought for a moment, and she said, a healed femur. You recognize what we're talking about. A femur is the longest bone in the body, linking to the hip, uh, the hip to the knee, in societies without the benefits of modern medicine, it takes about six weeks of rest for a fractured femur to heal. A healed femur shows that someone cared for the injured person, did their hunting and gathering, stayed with them. 
and offered physical protection and human companionship until the injury could mend. Mead explained that where the law of the jungle, the survival of the fittest rules, no healed femurs were found. The first sign of civilization is compassion seen in a healed femur. Kind of interesting. But she is basically saying as an anthropologist, what does civilization look like? It looks like compassion. It looks like someone cares for another that they're willing to sacrifice and not say, I'm only going to look out for number one. And not say this is a dog-eat-dog -dog world. I'm going to care for someone who cannot help me, but out of compassion, I will care. Now, let's think about it. Does God care? Does God have compassion? Does he care about my circumstances? We're going to look at a story in the story of Elisha. And we're talking about this theme of taking God seriously, but we're going to, we're going to deal with a widow, just one woman in Israel, ancient Israel. And we don't even know her name. This widow's in debt. Her husband has died. He left a debt. And she has two sons. And now they're going to be claimed as slaves to pay off the debt. And she will be left destitute. Does God care for this unnamed widow? Now we may think, well, we're 21st century. Our world is totally different than ancient Israel. What could I possibly have in common with this widow? And some of you are going to say, well, this is a nice story, pleasant story, but what do I have in common with the widow? Two things, at least two things. One, we need to take God seriously. And two, we need his compassion. I mean, I just shared a prayer request with the whole church. We need his compassion for this church and for a dear family in our church. Turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 4. I'm going to begin reading in verse 1, just seven verses. But a story that I said is a delightful story. I love this story. But we need to enter into it and not just look at it from afar, but recognize I have something in common with this widow in ancient Israel. Stand with me as I read. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what, can, what uh, do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha <coughs> said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars. And as, the, as each is filled, put it in, <coughs> excuse me, 
put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another jar. But he replied, there's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. Verse 7. She went and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. You may be seated. Two points. First, our weakness is an opportunity for God to show his compassion. Have you ever thought about that? Even in my weakness, God's grace is sufficient. And it is that time, that opportunity for God to show his compassion. So pick it up from the last sermon that I gave on Elisha. Remember, there were three kings, three armies that were in desperate need. And they were fighting another kingdom. So if you want to think about it, four kingdoms were involved. And at that point, the king of Israel... The king of the northern kingdom comes to Elisha, and Elisha basically says to that king, I don't have the time of day for you. I'm not interested in you at all. He's the king of Israel. He's got a massive army. But because you're with the king of Judah, Jehoshaphat, well, then I will listen. Remember the story. So we have four nations at war, and we think that's a big deal. I mean, God should care about four nations at war. But now we come, the next story is to one widow and one problem. Does God really care? I mean, why should God even care about that situation? So the story is this. The widow comes to Elisha and explains her desperation. My husband has died. Now, you know he's part of the company of the prophets. He revered the Lord. It's a way of saying he took God seriously. You know that. But he has a debt. And the creditor is coming to take my two boys and to put them into slavery until the debt can be paid off. There's just a few observations. Many would be aware there was no social security net there in those days that basically God had provided in his teaching, in the law, ways to care for those in need. And if you're familiar with the story of Ruth and Boaz, you recognize there could be a kinsman redeemer, a near relative who could come along and help a widow in distress. But apparently there's no kinsman redeemer. You also know there's this thing called the year of Jubilee. Every 50 years, all the debts are canceled. But apparently, that's not coming up anytime soon. So here's what's going on. She's in debt. The creditor, it appears, is within his rights to demand the sons work off the debt. The husband took God seriously. And the debt might even be because there was a price of following the living God in those days, just like there is today. There's a double curse. You'll notice that. A double curse. Death and debt. Two things. Now, I want you to observe how the widow makes this petition, because I'm going to make a point here, and I want you to see it very clearly in the text. 
So in the middle of verse 1, this is what she says. Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. You read the text. What's missing? What's missing? What's missing is she doesn't have a solution. Let me just put it this way. There's a number of times when I have been asked to see somebody, sometimes even coming in off the street, that wouldn't be unusual. And that person will come to me as a pastor in the church, and they will uh, start laying out their story, their misfortune, their bad decisions, and the things that they did that were perhaps very foolish that got them to a very bad predicament. And then they will come to me and they will say, now, Pastor, here's what I need you to do for me. And they'll start laying out the things I'm supposed to do for them. Often, this is the first time I've ever met them. And I have to say, now, now do you realize I wasn't involved in any of those previous decisions? And you're right. You made some foolish choices, a lot of foolish choices. But you made all those choices, and now you're going to tell me you have the answers, and here's what I need to do for you. Just pause and allow me to think about, is that the right thing to do? Because I get it, you got yourself into a mess. But I'm not sure your solution is the right one either. Here's my joy as I look at this woman. As she comes to Elisha, she simply states the problem, not the solution. Well, couldn't she think of a solution for God? Well, God just needs to rain down some money on me. God just needs to make that creditor drop dead. That's my solution. That's a solution, right? I mean, you can think of a number of different solutions, but the fact is she doesn't name one, not one, because I think she takes God seriously. What do I mean by that? He's all wise. He is capable of figuring this thing out. He is absolutely capable of figuring this out. And so all she needs to do is not explain how God needs to help her, or what he needs to do for her, but simply to say to Elisha, my husband is dead. He is in debt. And my sons are going to be taken from me. That's all she says. Taking God seriously. To me, it means bringing our, our problems, our concerns, our issues to the Lord, but it also means trusting him with the solution. Now, some people may say, well, that's kind of a wimpy prayer. No, it's a, a big prayer. It's a God prayer. It's saying God is big enough and wise enough. Now, I want to trust in the character of God. I'm going to go back to Psalm 103 because we heard that read, but I'm going to pick it up in verse 6, and I want you to notice what it says here as it applies to this particular situation. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. Verse 8, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. If that's true, and I believe it is, that the God I serve, the God I worship, the God I pray to is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love, I'm going to trust that God. That's what it means to take him seriously. But here's where I want you to think about where you are right now. 
What are the areas in your life where you say, God, I need your compassion? I honestly need your grace, your compassion in my life. I've shared already with one of the dear families in this church. We're asking God for compassion, but we're trusting in the character of God. And that's what we're called to do. But here's the good news. Our weakness, our weakness, is an opportunity for God to show his compassion. Here's the second thought. God graciously pays the debts of those who cannot pay, that we cannot pay. I'm going to work through this next part of the story, but I want you to observe the ways of God, how he's going to operate. I want you to notice that there was a double curse. My husband is dead, and I have a debt. But there's going to be a double blessing that's going to show up. And so look again at the passage, and I want you to notice how God's going to work. When Elisha says to her, how can I help you? What do you have in your house? It's kind of interesting. Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. So I've got, this is actually, I got this in Israel. It is a small jar of oil. It's anointing oil, but it came from the right place at least. It's a small jar of oil. That's all she has. It's not a lot. Verse 3, Elisha said, go around, ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't just ask for a few. And then go inside and shut the door behind you and, and your sons. Pour the oil into all the jars. As each is filled, put it to one side. So she does exactly as he says. And finally, she says to her sons, bring me another jar and that's it. At that time, the oil stopped flowing. Verse 7, she went and told the man of God, he says, okay, here's what you need to do. Go sell the oil, pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what is left. Just talk about the ways of God. He starts with what we have. Do you ever notice that? He just starts with what we have. It may be meager, it may be a very small jar of oil, but he, he starts with what we have. Go to the neighbors. Ask for empty jars. Now, if she didn't have much faith in this plan, and she doesn't know exactly how it's going to turn out, right? If she doesn't have much faith in the living God or in the words of Elisha, his prophet, she may just go and half-heartedly look for a couple of jars and say, yeah, I've got, you know, a couple, few, three, whatever. But what happens is very clearly they find a lot of jars. Because we know the end of this story is that whole debt, the whole debt that would enslave two sons is going to be paid off. And so they spend some time, they put some energy into this because Elisha told them to, and they're going to take God seriously. And then we have this double blessing. You see what it is? So the double curse, death and debt, the double blessing, debt paid off. And not only that, 
is enough for them to live off. They have more than enough to pay off the debt. There is an abundance of provision that God gives, even beyond what she was asking for. Basically, is there any way that my debt can be paid off? And God goes beyond that. And so that he can say to, so that Elisha can say to the woman, you and your sons can live on what's left. Now, I want to talk a little bit about debt. Most of us know something about debt. Let me talk about the national debt in Australia for just a moment. Don't get depressed. The ATO is not here tonight. So, uh, so don't get depressed. But the national debt in Australia, according to the Parliament of Australia website, is $963 billion uh, that's in debt, gross debt. Population, approximately 26 million. So what does that mean? Every man, woman, and child in Australia owes how much? Do the math. Well, not quite, but $37,000. Uh, I don't know if that's good news to you or not, but $37,000. Every man, woman, and child in Australia. And if you had a baby this year, they owe $37,000 as well. So that's, that's the way it works. Okay, now, uh, for those of you who are Australian citizens, and, and I'm an Australian citizen, I owe that much apparently. They're not collecting today, so don't worry about it. You don't need to get your checkbook out. Now, I'm going to encourage you a little bit because I'm also an American citizen. I'm going to talk about their debt. Uh, Chad and Rachel, if you have dual citizenship, I'm telling you, are with me on this. Rachel, you have dual? Okay, great. Chad, just American. You only owe this. Okay. America, 30.5 trillion. I don't even understand that number. $30.5 trillion in gross debt, according to the U.S. government treasury website. Population of 333 million, which means, do the math, how much does each person owe? $92,000 per person. Now, if you want to put that in Australian dollars, that's $135,000 per person. So if you're just Australian, you need to praise God, you owe $37,000. <laughs> I owe about $170,000. <laughs> Rachel, you're with me on that. So that's what we owe. They're not coming tonight. IRS is not here either. But having said that, debt, we all need to recognize there's some debt going on in our world, and, and many of us know that on a personal level. Let me just give you, um, uh, and if you ever had credit card debt, you know how that, that can add up real quick, right? Here's a quick story about a credit card debt. The guy uh, calls up the police, and he talks to a police officer, and he says, my wife's credit card is missing or stolen, but someone else is using it. And then he says, but please, officer, don't look too hard for the thief, because he's charging a lot less on the card than my wife ever did. <laughs> so there's, there can be a, a double blessing, I suppose. Okay, let's talk about debt. When we talk in terms of spiritual debt, what's our debt? It's a debt of sin. If you want to think about it in this way, we need to be redeemed from the slave market of sin. So there were two boys in our story, and because there was a financial debt, they were going to become slaves. But the Bible says that we have this debt of sin, and we need to be redeemed from that debt of sin, purchased out of that slave market of sin. And here's where the good news comes in, the gospel that comes in to us. 
is that Jesus Christ comes and he pays that debt. Sin has no claim over me. The wages of sin is what? Death. You know the passage. Don't be embarrassed. You know the passage. The wages of sin is death. Now, here's the second thing. Death has no claim over me. So if sin has no claim over me and death has no claim over me, because why? Because the gift of God is eternal what? Life. You realize what God speaks into my life? I'm not, I'm not in debt to sin. I'm not in that slave market of sin anymore. It does not determine my destiny because the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. What does he say? What does Jesus say? I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even though he dies, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. God's compassion is going to focus in on my debt of sin. So look again at Psalm 103, because we're going to see this again. Verse 8. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will, not allow, he will not always accuse, nor will he harbor anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, the wages that we deserve, or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. Remember the man who died, he revered the Lord. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion upon those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. In other words, he knows we are needy. He knows we are needy. You don't need to pretend that you're an island, captain of your destiny, whatever you want to say. He knows us, and he knows that we are needy. And the good news is, he has compassion on us. How do I know that? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He gave. He had compassion upon me and you who are in Christ Jesus. And I want to talk briefly because it's an important thought to understand what it means to be justified, justification. So let's talk about that, and, and you can use a, an illustration. I would use this uh, as a, an illustration of a, a, um, an accountant's ledger. So often you might have debits, and on the other side you have credits. So let's see what we have on our screen, if we can put the, um, the next one up on justification. Here we go. So uh, debits and credits. Now, sometimes people would say, Justification, this is kind of a Sunday school type definition. Justification means just as if I've never sinned. And that's a nice rhyme. It's not really theologically accurate. But here's what that would look like on the debits and credit. So if we go to the next screen, on the debit, it would be nil, just as if I'd never sinned. Here's my debts, nothing. Now, what are on my credits? My credits would be nil as well, because my righteousness is as filthy rags. You see the problem? So what does biblical justification look like? So we'll look at that on the next screen. Biblical justification says, my debts are paid. 
My death to pay. The wages of sin is death, but that is paid off. Who paid for it? Jesus Christ, when he purchased me on the cross and he paid the debt of my sin. Debt free. Debt free. I'm not talking about Australian citizenship, American citizenship. I'm talking about in the citizenship of heaven, debt free. Now, the next part, what's the credit? The credit is what? Of course, Christ's righteousness. So how does God view me? He sees that my sins are forgiven, and he sees that I am clothed in the righteousness of Christ. To be justified, to be biblically justified, is an amazing thing. Because not only are my sins forgiven, I've got this double blessing, my sins are forgiven, but I also have the righteousness of Christ imputed, given to me. What an amazing thing. Now, you may say, oh, I read this story before, but I don't think I had anything in common with, with the widow. Yes, you do. A double curse, but if you're in Christ Jesus, you've got this double blessing. Debt's paid in life, eternal life. That's what we have in Christ Jesus. The amazing thing to me about this passage is God cares. I mean, here's a, here's a, a nameless widow. Lived a long time ago, but God cares. What about me? What about you? Has that God changed? Does he no longer see me and you in our need? He knows how we are formed. He knows we are dust, but he has compassion on us. One of the things we need to do is be like this widow. When we come to him in need, just bring that, that need to him and trust him. Here's what we also know. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now here's the thing I want to make it very clear to you. How do we receive that, that gift, that justification? We did it in our Subi, uh, scripture at Subi passage. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of work, so that no one can boast. This woman is not going to boast in her genius about multiplying olive oil. She's going to boast in the living God who gave her an amazing gift. What do we boast in? An even greater gift. The forgiveness of sins and everlasting life. How does anyone in this world receive it? Well, if it's not by my works or achievements, how can I possibly merit that? And the fact is I don't. We receive it by grace. It's a gift. And we receive it through faith. It is simply put in our trust and hope in Christ alone. If you're here or listening to me right now, and you've never done that, you've never put your faith in Christ, I'm going to give you this opportunity right now. Because there's an amazing blessing for those who seek compassion from God, and he has already provided a solution. And that solution is Christ. Pray with me. Father, we thank you. 
For the words of this great psalm that the Lord is compassionate and gracious, abounding in love. And your love is demonstrated in Christ Jesus our Lord. Father, I do pray that you would help us to fix our eyes upon Jesus, to trust in him. For any who are here, any who are listening to this message who have not received the grace of God, the gift of God, the forgiveness of God, the hope of God, the justification that comes by grace through faith. I pray that this would be the time where we would seek your face. Trust that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, Savior of sinners, died on the cross, buried, rose again the third day, and lives. Father, for any who wish that gift, I pray that they would seek you right now. In Christ's name, amen. We're going to come to our time of the Lord's Supper, and for those who have received that gift, that forgiveness of sins, the promise of everlasting life, you recognize this is what that table represents to us. It represents grace, it represents hope, and what does it represent? The compassion of God for us. That we who are debtors have had our sins paid for in full. Everyone in full. And we have been given this promise of everlasting life. God has provided for us. If that's your faith and that's your trust, this table is for you. Christ's table for you. Take in remembrance. If you've not put your faith and trust in him, we'd ask that you'd not partake of the bread and the cup because they are sacred to us. They represent faith and hope in God. But we would invite you once again to believe on him. Pray with me. Father, we do pray that as we meet with you right now, that we would recognize this amazing thought, sins forgiven, debt freed, paid, Righteousness given, life promised, hope. And one day, Lord Jesus, we will see you face to face. Thank you for having compassion upon our souls. In Christ's name, amen. As we do, we'll have the people on the side go to the side. Those in the center come to the center. So let me ask the first five, ten rows, go ahead and make your way to the front. As you take the bread and the cup, hold it, and in just a moment, we'll partake together. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him.
As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion upon those who fear him. Jesus comes and he meets with us and he tells us, this is my body broken for you. Let's take it. Same way he takes the cup. This is the new covenant in his blood for you, taken remembrance. Fathers, we partake of these elements. We recognize Jesus Christ given to us. We recognize his blood shed, covering, forgiving us of all of our debt, all of our sins. We recognize the power of the resurrection, the promise and the hope of the resurrection. And as often as you eat of the bread and drink of the cup, you proclaim his death until he comes. And so, Lord Jesus, we, your people, pray together. Lord, come quickly. In Christ's name.
we think about the compassion of our God and we recognize that's what I need. That's what the world needs right now. I'm going to ask you again as you go home tonight, I want you to pray uh, for my friend Gordon. And he's a great man. We'll keep you informed, but just pray for Gordon and Michelle and for the whole family. If you have a prayer request, Pastor Chen would be happy to pray with you. If you want to know more about what is that gift of God, what does it mean to have hope and eternal life and the forgiveness of sins, it's our desire, our hope, that we can share that message with you. The Lord is compassionate, and he gives us hope. Pray with me. Father, as we go, we ask your grace and blessing. Please go with us. Watch over us and those that we love. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Lord bless you. Go in peace.